You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? I'm well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Pretty good, thanks. Doing well. Excellent. And you're all set and everything's good going at Radio Maria. We've adjusted well, have we? Well, yeah, and, um, you know, this month being the month of May, it's a very busy time for us being the Marian month that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically at, at uh, Radio Maria's around the world, we have uh, like a donation drive to support the global efforts of Radio Maria. And this year is a bit different given that we have this coronavirus issue that we're dealing with. And so the actual donation drive is being moved into the fall but uh, in the meantime, you know, we are encouraging our our listeners to support our ministry here uh, by simply making donations online and also uh, calling the office number, which is 416-245-7117 to find out ways to support uh, not only Radio Maria here, but also uh, around the world. Um, but also in keeping with the Marian month, of course, um, we've done our best here in the studios to make sure that uh, we at least provide the mass to our listeners uh, daily. Uh, we've got masses. Um, actually, let's start, let me backtrack a little bit. So at the start of May, we began with the broadcasts of the Regina Celli at 12 o'clock. And then followed that by followed that up with the mass at twelve thirty, with the exception of uh, Wednesdays in which we first celebrate the Spanish mass at eleven, followed by the Regina Chilean rosary. Mm. Um, and of course, for those of you who are familiar with the Radio Maria listeners, um, you'll know that we also broadcast masses on Sundays from all the way from nine o'clock to around uh, 1 p.m. So it's a very important time for Radio Maria. And I find that obviously at this present time, none of the churches are open. So it's more important for Radio Maria to have a presence. And, uh, you know, our director, Father Amaro, has uh, done a wonderful job of making himself making himself available 
to do these masses, as well as our lectors and technicians who are in the back always helping out and assisting. So it's been really a, a wonderful uh, experience in that it's taught me about the importance of our ministry, you know? Mm-hmm. Have you found a lot more of, of people? Have you, have you seen an influx of listeners? Has there been a shift? Well, people trying to find a way to still stay spiritual when they can't get yeah, into the churches? Yes, exactly. And we've um, uh, stepped it up a little bit more, and we've actually been transmitting our broadcasts on Facebook, too. So, uh, listeners, if you're interested, you can visit our website at bradymaria.ca, find our Facebook link, and you can also watch the Masses online. You can provide us with your, with your comments, because um, that only, only gives us more um, inspiration to continue, not that, uh, you know, we, we do it out of the goodness of our hearts, and we continue to do it because we're serving our Lord. But it's always helpful, as Kathy, I know you, with, with our program, uh, when you get feedback, it does, it does feed us quite mm-hmm. a bit. It'll be interesting to see the transition when the churches are open. Um, if people continue to get their services online, we had, I had a great experience watching the Easter services online and mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed them. And I actually found that I was a lot less distracted. I don't know why. Um, and I was, was sitting there. It was, it was a, it was a nice way to experience Matt, except of course you can't go to communion, which is right. a, a big part of, of our belief system. But I think as with so many other things, the way that everyone has transitioned to be able to offer in a different format uh, important things. We're not just talking retail, but spiritually as well. I think it's it's been outstanding uh, watching how Radio Maria has done it and the Catholic services have done it and supported through the Easter season and now into May. It's, it's phenomenal. And if nothing else, I know people will want to be getting back into the churches, but for those who can't, um, this may be a, a great learning source that they can get their their spirituality and they can see the mass. And, and I know churches will take communion out to people who can't get to the churches. So another, another platform that we have evolved into another form of learning and um, a good takeaway from, from all of this. I know people want to be back in, in connecting and into the churches, but now we know that there's an alternative and there's a way for people to still remain connected. And I think it's fabulous. I think it's, as I said, a, a great, a great silver lining from what we've gone through. Yes, it really has been. Yeah. So thank you. And especially, you know, for me personally, Alex, and all the support getting our show out and we haven't really had too much of a hiatus. So we're all working through it, all working through it. And I, and I do think stronger for it in the end. So Kudos to you and um, all the best in what you're doing through the month of May. And listeners, continue to support Radio Maria and the Health Hub and all the wonderful shows that Alex puts together for us. 
So today's show is taped, no opportunity for calling in, but please do follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on all three platforms, and do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And to that end, what we were just talking about, about our show, certainly feel free to email us about the show, but if you need to have more information about Radio Maria as a whole, it's uh, it's another vehicle for you to find out more information about Radio Maria, so feel free. And do subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, all your favorite podcast platforms, and you can find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. We have a wonderful guest today, somebody who I have been following for a while because I do believe in what he, what he does and what he is pulling into the health sphere. Uh, with the soul of an advocate and the mindset of an entrepreneur, James Maskell has spent the last decade innovating at the cross-section of functional medicine and community. And to that end, he created the Functional Forum, the world's largest integrative medicine conference with record-setting participation online and growing physician communities around the world. His organization and best-selling book of the same name, Evolution of Medicine, prepares health professionals for this new era of personalized participatory medicine. His new book called The Community Cure, he is an in-demand speaker, impresario, being featured on Ted M. Sorry, Ted MD, Huffington Post Live, and TEDx, as well as lecturing internationally. He lives in Sacramento, California, with his wife and daughter. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We're going to be discussing um, what functional medicine is, what that functional model is, what are community uh, medical health visits, what he's trying to promote in his new book, and how community model of addressing challenges, um, how this community model will will fare in the face of healthcare as a whole. So his model is about bringing community to healthcare, and we're going to discuss how that could be challenging to what we're currently dealing with. So everybody, we will be back in a few minutes to talk to James Maskell. A little while you feel so long Till I can be with you once more Remembering not long ago sweetness of you being close love came just when it pleased you stole my heart you wounded me it makes my soul unceasing cry oh please return my one desire you're coming sooner than my heart deserves not soon as I would have desired come to bring me Love is true, love speaks in words and follows through. My 
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Again, we are taped today, so uh, no opportunity to speak to James. But if you have any questions, feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC. James, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here with you. Thanks for having me, Kathy. A pleasure. I've been following you for quite a while now. Uh, What you do is sort of right up my alley. And um, thanks for giving us the time, especially, you know, when we're doing this taping stuff and everyone's busy, but thanks for giving us the time. Important what you do, and it's important for everyone to understand why. So you have a new book. I'm going to sort of put that in the back until we talk about the whole concept of functional medicine, why you do what you do. And let's just start there. Yeah, so uh, I was trained as a health economist. I did that at university, and I started to realize that, you know, many countries, uh, UK, Canada, America, and pretty much every industrialized nation, were seeing drastic increases, if not exponential increases, in the cost of healthcare. And that those increases, if they kept on going for that much longer, like till my sort of like next generation, you know, that very soon everyone would run out of money and the majority of the economy would just be like healthcare, which is just keeping people sort of in a place where they can be productive. And I saw, you know, that could be the end. That could be the end for humanity. And I just wanted to start to think about, okay, let's, let's really understand what's going on. And it took me to have a sort of a, a jolt Um, when I was working in my first job in London and I kind of just realized that um, I wanted to sort of really dive into this, understand what was going on and and sort of make it uh, something that I would, you know, that I would spend my life understanding. So I quit my job. I took a hundred percent pay cut. I moved to America in 2005 and I got into the front lines of medicine and just looking to see, okay, what, what's really going on here? And at the first clinic I worked at, I saw something that I think most people don't know is really possible, which is people reversing their chronic disease, right? So not just people like losing, getting off medication or losing weight or whatever that looks like, but, you know, visible transformations in people, right? Where in, not in a month, but let's say in three months or six months or 12 months, depending on the severity of the illness, going from... Uh, you know, you know, just having visible transformations, like losing diagnoses, in some cases, like getting up from wheelchairs and walkers and, you know, just having a, a very, a, a very obvious transformation. I just realized that most people didn't know that this happened. Like most people thought that you start off relatively healthy and you get less healthy over your life. And then at some point you lose health really quickly and you die. And that's sort of like a a downward spiral and, and, and there's not a moment where it can go back up. And I saw it happen. So I was like, oh, okay, I want to learn more about this. So I came out of one clinic and I started working, uh, selling to doctors who were practicing this kind of medicine. And it wasn't called functional medicine then. It was like there were naturopathic doctors and there was integrative medicine. And I started working with those kind of doctors. 
And I saw that not only was this possible, but that actually all these different doctors had different kind of ways of doing pretty much the same thing. And there were some principles involved that typically, you know, always seemed to be there. There was definitely people starting to sort of do healthy behaviors, right? So eating differently, starting to exercise, you know, being proactive with their stress and working how to manage stress and then, you know, sleeping properly and, and having good community. So there was some fundamentals, but, you know, all these doctors were kind of doing it differently. And then in 2012, so seven years into this, when I've been working with practices, understanding it, understanding what's happening, sitting in the back of like 100 doctor lectures, you know, reaching out, meeting everyone involved from, you know, doctors in hospitals whose wife had recovered and wanted to know how it happened, you know, right through to, you know, people sort of doing stuff in their garage at home, you know, like Reiki masters and everything in between. And um, that was the sort of the beginning. And, and it was only in 2012 that I, or 2010, I first came across functional medicine. And then 2012 is when I really realized that functional medicine, unlike, you know, has had a lot of similarities to everything that I'd seen. But the biggest thing that it had going for it was almost like a, a standardized way of doing it. Um, it was almost like a common language for practitioners where they could do the same thing together. And ultimately, as I, as I realized that that was something that I uh, could see, um, you know, that I could see that, that if, if everyone was doing it the same, then it had the opportunity to scale up and like help everyone and get to poor people and get to everyone that needed it. And so that, that's what began my journey into functional medicine. So the Functional Forum is a curated bunch of professionals that you bring to the forefront so that they can deliver their message. Now, you know, integrative care is something that, you know, I'm very much in favor of, and that's what the Health Hub is all about. Did you start with integrative practitioners and then the MDs started to come on board? Because I even see it in the cancer sphere that I'm working in. You're seeing a lot more integration of the physicians, whereas 10 years ago when I um, had a cancer diagnosis, it was pretty much no integration. So do you feel that you have brought all of this to light to the physicians? And are you seeing that transformation now? You know, when we started the Functional Forum, our goal was to get doc new doctors to come onto the team, right? And to find ways of, and that's why for the first, you know, years of the Functional Forum, we only put doctors on the stage. You know, coming to the conferences where like chiropractors and, and acupuncturists and you know, all kinds of other practitioners that just, you know, found the medicine. But ultimately, our goal was, how could we, how could we make it easier for doctors to sort of catch the bug and, you know, want to be part of it? And so we did that through content. Like at the beginning of the Functional Forum, I think we really put the first online content for free online about functional medicine. Uh, we did it through communities. So what started as a community in New York became 400 communities around the world. And, you know, the goal was, could we put just enough information in front of doctors to make them curious digitally, then get them into a little community where they can meet other doctors like them, and ultimately just grow the whole ecosystem and have new doctors coming in. And that was how it started. And then we started realizing we needed to really help doctors think about how to run this kind of practice. Because if you switch from a primary care office and you start thinking about, how am I actually going to get people to change behavior? 
right? Then you start to think you need some technology to do that. Maybe you need a health coach to like help you. Uh, maybe you need to do some group visits. And so we started, you know, really focusing our efforts on making it easy to for doctors to make the switch to functional medicine and, and what it would take to run a practice like that. And that's when I brought out my first book, The Evolution of Medicine, which was really directed at the Western doctor to say, hey, whatever you're doing right now, let's have a real conversation about what's happening with healthcare in this country. You know, let's have a real conversation about what it takes to get a chronic disease and what the potential is to reverse a chronic disease and ultimately just sort of uh, build the case in the doctor's mind that this was something that they should be doing. And if they did do, not only would they be getting their patients better, but they would also be, you know, solving other big problems that we have in, in medicine, like physician burnout, physician suicide, mm -hmm. you know, all of the stresses of what it takes to be a physician, because I saw that the majority of doctors in functional medicine love their jobs. And are you training them? Are you sending them to facilities to train to make this transition in their practice? Yeah, so there are already organizations that, that train doctors in the clinical side of things. And so we sort of push them towards those organizations. What we did that was unique was sort of popularize a, a concept called a, a functional micro practice, which was really a low overhead practice that really focused on telemedicine and, um, you know, sort of doing a lot of things digitally that had previously been done analog. So telemedicine is one good example. Another might be online appointment booking, um, mm -hmm. you know, those kind of things. So like what, how could you use technology to rapidly decrease your overhead so that you could run a practice like on a laptop in a co-working space? You didn't have to buy a million dollar building to get started. Are you finding success? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been great for sure. So we've had lots of doctors that have made the transition. In America, we probably had the most success just because, you know, in America, people have to pay for healthcare one way or another. Mm -hmm. And lots of people have high deductibles, which means the first like five, $10,000 they're having to pay themselves. Whereas in Canada and the UK, you know, slightly less, uh, you know, definitely less uptake because, you know, first of all, as a practitioner, you have to sort of compete with free right yeah. if the health system's free you're now in competition with something's free and, and pretty much you know it's very difficult to you know to run these kind of practices in a sort of a regular primary care situation or it has been and so you know we really focused in on america and definitely you know when we started i would say the majority of functional medicine clinics were in like the big five cities and you know today there's one in every small town in america well, I think, you know, when I'm watching uh, the shows, they're still every Monday night. <clears throat> um, I think one of the things that I like is that you're bringing concepts to ordinary people that 10 years ago doctors didn't feel were relevant for people to talk about. For instance, just recently, the mitochondria um, topic that you covered. It's important for people to understand these things not just the practitioners. And I think that's a beautiful space where you're bringing both together because I think what you're doing too is giving the people the understanding of functional medicine and giving them a voice to speak to their doctors with and giving them questions to ask. And that changes the whole patient-doctor dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, I think in some cases and in some countries like the patients go further ahead and you know there's a there's a there's a truth in in healthcare today that 
sometimes the practice of medicine is 17 years behind the science. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of patients who maybe have, let's say, a mitochondrial disorder, you know, aren't waiting for their doctor to get this in 15 years' time and are going directly to the source and learning from these cutting-edge doctors. And so, yeah, we've really seen, you know, the, the growth in functional medicine interest like if you, if you just search functional medicine on something like Google Trends, right, which is how many people are actually putting it into Google, it's going up really, really fast because I think there's lots of like summits and there's lots of books and there's lots of podcasts now that are covering it. And also I think it makes intuitive sense to people. I think one of the biggest frustrations that I've heard over and over again from patients is they're like, how did I get this disease, right? That's the question they want to ask. The, the day that they get diagnosed with lupus, Right. And they asked the doc, doc, how did I get lupus? Like I didn't, I had a few symptoms, but like, how am I suddenly have, how do I have lupus? And the doctor has no idea. And the doctor can't give them any information unless they happen to be a functional medicine doctor and they've done an unbelievably deep history with someone where they've been able to track like what was the history of their parents like? What was their parents' health history? How many courses of antibiotics did they have between the ages of zero and 10? Like did, were they born C-section or were they born vaginally? Like all of these things will tell the story. And if you had 15 rounds of antibiotics by the time you were five years old, right, your microbiome, your gut bacteria is so, uh, you know, depleted that ultimately at that point, you know, you're really set up to a position that, you know, you are likely to get a chronic inflammatory disease that might end up, depending on your genetics, being called being uh, lupus. And so if you understand it from there, now you understand, okay, how did that happen? Then you also understand the path back. And there is a path back. And that's the most exciting thing. If you look at like autoimmune disease, for instance, for forever that, you know, anyone who got an autoimmune disease, that's like a life sentence. And you're taking the most invasive drugs, which turn off your immune system and they cost $5,000 a month. And in three months, you'll be on a second drug because of the side effects of the first drug. And you're on a road to nowhere. Whereas with functional medicine, you can understand, okay, why did I get here? And we've seen a lot of success with people getting off medication and getting themselves to a point where they're just, well, off the, you know, not dependent on the health system, not dependent on medication, just living their life. And I think everyone wants that. And I feel like there's a, an intuitive sense, particularly among women, that something's not right with this like drug first approach to chronic disease. And they're ready to look for something that makes more intuitive sense to them, like functional medicine. Takes a lot to shake off that that doctor superiority, um, and even for someone like myself, who I feel practices in this particular way, there's still that fear that if you go against what the doctor is sort of recommending or veering you away from, that you're going to land in hot water. And maybe you're right. Like the dichotomy between Canada and the states is that we have the free healthcare, um, and. Maybe the resistance. Have you been to Canada? Have you have you been trying to get this going in Canada? I mean, there are people who are. Um, I, you know, we have some meetup groups in some of the schools. You know, you have a lot. Uh, you have a good naturopathic doctor community in Canada because they've got a couple of schools there. There's a couple of innovators in Toronto who are teaching doctors even from America how to build these kind of practices and run them. So there is, you know, on the but but. All of that work, I should say, like all of the work that we've been doing, which was really to help doctors. The first stage of our, our efforts were to help doctors practice the medicine. And wherever you were, you needed a slightly different plan to help to do that. Like in America, there's a lot more freedom. There's a lot more history of private practice. 
you know, you know, you have the, some of the issues I spoke about in Canada, you know, and in, in the UK, most doctors go into training thinking they're going to be employed by Health Canada or the NHS for their lives. And so they're not like expecting to have to go outside the box. And so the only doctors that do have such a profound personal experience that they feel like morally obligated to do this and like they're going to do it whatever. And kind of with the new book, and, and we could move on, you know, in that way is that like what I've seen in the last few years are potentially models that would take this kind of care to everyone where like Health Canada could endorse it and it could be delivered. And, um, and we could talk about that maybe after the break. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be a good conversation because I want to end this. We, we talked about you know, in Canada here, and, and I'm talking to the Canadian aspect of it, because there are integrative practitioners that are trying to push for the functional medicine model, of course. But here, you don't have time. You know, the doctors don't have time. And I'll just, within the cancer sphere too, they're in, they're out, they've got 10 minutes to talk to you. But that's the way the medical system is working here. So the new book that you have, that you've just released, when was that released, James? January. In January, it's got a really brilliant model of how we here in Canada might be able to implement this a little bit. Because what we're relying on here, James, in Canada is the integrative practitioners really to do the functional medicine part of it. I don't even know how the doctors would work it doing functional medicine and their regular medicine. It might have to be a dichotomy of how they charge and the whole nine yards. So there is this issue of how to practice it here. So with your new book, give us the, sort of the broad sweeps now, and then after break, we'll come back and dive into it and see how we can do it here. Well, just to tease the idea, right? So we all know what alcoholics need, right? Alcoholics need accountability and support. What do alcoholics not need? Drugs and doctors. And so for 80 years, we've seen that the best way to treat alcoholics is to put them in groups and provide someone who's already been through the journey, right, to, to provide some guidance, create some accountability in that group or lots of accountability, and support people to making great choices every day that help them not be an alcoholic. Ultimately, what I've seen is that lifestyle-driven chronic disease has a lot more in, in, in sort of similarity with alcoholism, and it's less like, you know, getting an infection or hit by a bus and yet we're treating people, you know, as though they've been hit by a bus when they have type 2 diabetes. And so when I started to see, you know, I started to witness that a group delivered functional medicine, like functional medicine delivered in groups, could not only, not only was getting better results, right, where people were getting better quicker than one-on-one, -on -one, but solve some of these huge hurdles that would stopping functional medicine being delivered in big health systems. And some of those problems are, you know, affordability, accessibility, you know, profitability, right? If you're not in Canada, but if you're talking about America, you know, there were, there were efforts to deliver functional medicine in hospitals because people get it. And it's not as profitable as putting in a heart stent. And some of these incredible projects got kind of like canned before they ever had a chance to make an impact because they didn't make enough profit for the hospital. And then the biggest thing, you know, that I want to want to share is that, look, the functional medicine, integrated medicine, naturopathic medicine, whatever you want to call it, is built on one foundation, which is changing people's behavior. And changing people's behavior one-on-one -on -one 
is, isn't working and hasn't worked. If it would have, we would have already made a big impact. But changing people's behavior in a group absolutely does work and is actually has several parts of it that are so important to changing behavior that once you understand that future, you can never go back. So ultimately, that's what I'm uh, really starting to understand right now is, is, you know, and that's why I wrote the book because I realized that if we could work out and, and, and people have worked out how to deliver functional medicine groups and some of the biggest organizations and most credible ones are like the Cleveland Clinic and that that model would tick all of those boxes and would be something that like Health Canada could say, that seems unbelievably reasonable, let's do it. And could also solve some of the problems that Health Canada has, like physician burnout, physician suicide, you know, and, and those kind of areas too, like the increasing cost of care. So I'm here to help think about what could reduce and flatten the curve of healthcare costs. And I'm absolutely convinced that the functional medicine group visit, when delivered at scale, can facilitate transformation in any health system that it comes across. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what that model looks like. trouble now I thought how do we ever get so far down and how's it ever gonna turn around so I turned my eyes to heaven I thought God why don't you do something well I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty children sold into slavery the thought disgusted me so I shook my fist at heaven I said God why don't you do something You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation about community-based medicine with James Maskell. And just before the break, we, he gave you a little bit of a teaser on his new book. And now I want to dive into it, James, and give people a, a real understanding of what community-based model looks like. Um, is this just for generic health? Can they be divided up into specific diseases? What does it look like? So the good news is, is that it looks very different in lots of different situations and it works in all situations as far as I've seen. So, you know, I've seen there are, there are cancer groups, there are type 2 diabetes groups, there are autoimmune disease groups, there are pregnancy groups, and it has a profound effect. And I guess just, let's just start with a few examples. So centering pregnancy is the biggest group visit that exists in the world right now. So that's over, I think more than 100,000 women have gone through a process 
of essentially, and what is centering pregnancy really? It's taking women that are going to share the same kind of birthday of their child and putting them in a group to be able to share their hopes, their fears, um, their questions, and having someone like a midwife. It was created by a nurse midwife in Yale. Um, and, and to be able to essentially not treat pregnant women one-on-one, but have them form a community. And it works incredibly. 35% reduction in early-term birth. And it works even best. It works best in places with horrible uh, infant mortality numbers, like in Mississippi and South Carolina and places where, you know, the, 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 the numbers when it comes to infant mortality are staggering, like staggeringly bad. This really helps to, uh, to sort of reduce the difference between, you know, richer areas and poorer areas, I guess, for, for, for just simplicity's sake. So ultimately, um, you know, I would say that, so that was one example. And it's not like pregnancy is not a disease at all. It's about what you see is that pregnancy, when pregnancy goes wrong, there's a huge stress component. And ultimately this social stress, like we've never lived in the whole history of our evolution. We've never lived, lived in a world where, you know, where pregnant women were on their own to take care of their pregnancy, right? It was always tribe right? And members of the tribe supporting. And if you were on your own, it was like a very bad thing evolutionarily. And so that's why, you know, you've seen that as we've moved to this individualist culture, where you don't know your neighbors, where you're helplessly independent, where you're relying on the Amazon guy, but you don't know your neighbors, like, it's only reasonable that, you know, that that women would have um, an incredible amount of stress that comes with that that would lead to poor birth outcomes. And that if you were able to deal with that stress by being in a group of like-minded, like not, not even like-minded, but like life situation person that you, you know, it would, it would cause a massive impact. So that's huge. And I really love that um, as an example, but in the, that's not really functional medicine in functional medicine at the Cleveland clinic, you know, four years ago, I'm actually six years ago now on the first episode of my show, Mark Hyman announced, or the, sorry, it was the fourth episode of my show in May 2014, Mark Hyman announced that there was going to be a functional medicine center at the Cleveland Clinic. And everyone was psyched because it was like ultimate validation for the movement. And Mark's just an incredible guy when it comes to moving and shaping like that. So they started to put it together and there was a huge demand for it, obviously, as you, as you might think, like a real credible organization doing it. So three years later, they got a 2,000 person waiting list and five doctors and they can't keep up. So they decide that they're going to run this group program to start. So it's a two hour a week, 10 week group visit called Functioning for Life that they created. And essentially through that process is run by health coaches, dietitians, and physicians, physicians assistants. And that program teaches people how to take care of their stress, how to read their labs, how to eat healthy, how to exercise well, how to move easily. And most importantly than all, Kathy, what it does is it solves the biggest root cause. Like if you, if you think about functional medicine, you say, what is it? What the most people say it's root cause medicine, right? You're getting to the root cause. You're not dealing with the symptoms, but the biggest root cause in healthcare is loneliness, right? The biggest driver of all cause mortality, more than smoking, more than alcoholism, more than what you eat is loneliness and social isolation. And yet functional medicine was not dealing with that root cause at all when it was being delivered one-on-one. In fact, it was probably just reinforcing it because guess what? Having a chronic illness is profoundly socially isolating, right? If you have an autoimmune disease and you can't drink beer and eat pizza on the weekends, 
now you can't really hang out with your friends like you used to. And sound, you know, you don't know anyone that's like you. So ultimately the Cleveland clinic started doing this and the results were spectacular. Like people, like half the people who go through those groups don't need to see the doctor at the end because they're just on their way to being better or they're just better. And so when I saw that, and that was in 2018, I realized, okay, this is it. This is the way that it's going to be delivered. And where once it was unaffordable, now it was being done on insurance. Where, one it was, it, where once it was inaccessible, now it could be delivered in health systems. Where once it was, uh, you know, uh, hard to facilitate behavior change, now behavior change was just happening. And also, like, you know, functional medicine doctors, to get really good at what they did, would have to go back to school for years. And that can't be the plan, right? We can't have like suddenly thousands of the whole, every doctor in Health Canada going through a four-year training in functional medicine. It makes no sense. In the Cleveland Clinic, PAs who had never run a group visit and had never heard of functional medicine were able to, in six weeks, get up to speed and start running these groups and get great results because there's a, you know, there's a specific curriculum. And so all of those things together made me think, okay, this is it. And so... Um, when I came back from that, I started interviewing anyone who'd done any kind of group visits. I wanted to meet the most innovative group uh, providers that I could find. And uh, the book is a result of that, just sort of concentrating all of the best practices from group visits into one compendium and making it easy for people to execute. And just before COVID, like I had a few more hospitals and all these different groups that were just like on the bandwagon and ready to start doing it at a reasonable scale. Obviously, at this exact moment in history, there's not a lot of group medicine happening, but there are some innovations happening to do it online and, and to use virtual group visits that are exciting. And, um, you know, at some point, uh, these ideas will come back and I think are really the most powerful thing that we could be doing to transforming the health of ourselves, our family, our community, our state, our nation, and our international resilience. James, who is running these um, community care? Are, are the doctors training other people to do it, or is this a total pivot of a, a physician's practice? What's the ideal? So it really depends on where it's been done. Like in the Cleveland Clinic, in order to see the doctor, in order to qualify to see the functional medicine doctor, you have to go through the 10-week program. Is that a generic program? It's called Functioning for Life. So it's a 10-week, two-hour-a-week group program run by physicians, assistants, health coaches, and dietitians. And in 20 hours over 10 weeks, you meet a cohort of other people that are just like you, and you learn how to take care of yourself. You learn how to do all the fundamentals of health creation. You learn how to read your labs. And at the end of it, you know, half of those people go on to do individual appointments with the doctors, and half the people are just don't need to see the doctor because they're just better. And so ultimately, you know, it's, it's sort of like a filtering mechanism. There are other, other practices, you know, do the individualized care at the beginning and then have people go into a group to sort of maintain the healthy behaviors. There are some uh, innovation where you have doctors doing, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, doctors using groups as a way to onboard people into the practice, like a group intaking or like an orientation. So, you know, there's, there's many different ways that groups are being used, but ultimately here's the piece that has to be part of the future of medicine. You have to meet, like if you're going to reverse a chronic disease, you have to meet someone who, who 
is able to like show you what success looks like. Right. So in the groups, one of the key things that happens is when you have a group of people where half the people are like just getting started and they've never, you know, just getting started with functional medicine. And some of the people have already made some gains with doing healthy behaviors and and that kind of stuff. It inspires everyone to participate more. And ultimately by doing care, you know, one on, you know, with sort of like a privacy focused one on one care, you never get to meet anyone that's like you. Like you probably don't, you, there's no one in your family that's reversed their MS. And so why do you even think that MS is reversible? But, you know, Terry Walls in her group visits at her clinic is, you know, showing that the functional medicine approach for MS and especially in groups is, is reproducible and that you can make significant impact on your, on your, um, on your degenerative, you know, neurodegenerative diseases like MS, if you really take a proactive stance and you do all the things that Terry Walls did to reverse her MS. Is this um, interactive? Are these groups interactive or is this a physician, a physician assistant up in front teaching a group of people? No, it's absolutely, it's, you know, the difference between, let's say a lecture and a group visit is that in a group visit, the majority of the interaction is, you know, peer to peer. This is not a lecture being given by a doctor. This is like, yes, there's probably some content in there, but ultimately what, what the, where the magic happens is when like, people start to solve each other's problems. And you know, the first person that I talk about in my book is Dr. Jeffrey Geller. And you know, he, more than 20 years ago, was, was really able. He's like the, the godfather of group visits in the integrated medicine space. But he saw that groups were an incredible way for people to solve like the social determinants of health, like the key things that keep people from being healthy, especially in impoverished environments where there's not enough money to go to Whole Foods or, you know, even if you, if you, you know, if you have three kids, two jobs and no car, right? You don't have a lifestyle disease. You have an environmental disease that you can't afford to get out of. And ultimately by creating these groups, he was able to, set up structures where people could start supporting each other, accountability, you know, uh, making their own food, you know, in some cases getting these groups to like make a garden or do salsa dancing or all these different things together. And, you know, that's, that was super inspiring because what I started to see was this is the way that these ideas of functional medicine can make it to everyone. And that's been really my like journey for the last 15 years is how are we going to get people well at any sort of scale? And to me, groups are the, the only way that that's going to happen. Why do I think that this is going back to way, the way it used to be? You know, it's not, it, this is, this is, we've got into these individual practices, but it sounds like these things were done a long time ago to solve problems. Not exactly the same way, but ultimately, you know, what has happened over the last 400 years is the destruction of community. Mm -hmm. Things that used to be done by grandma or aunt or otherwise, think of like, you know, childcare, you know, old people care, elder care, you know, even things like grief counseling, you know, this was done in community from elders to youngers and was a free service. It wasn't something that was done by professionals. And so ultimately, you know, as community has fallen away and everyone is like helplessly independent doing their own thing by themselves, you know, we've thought that the solution had to be either government or markets, right? That, you know, some professional needs to come in and help or that the government can pay some sort of professional to come in and help. 
But ultimately, the reason why these, these conditions even exist is because the third pillar of, of community, of, of society, which is community, has, has uh, slowly but surely been destroyed, you know, through technology. Initially, you know, engines that make cars that allow people to live in the suburbs, and then strip malls that mean that people don't visit, you know, the, the local uh, shops. And then now, obviously, the most obvious example is like Amazon and Uber, where you don't know your Amazon driver and you don't know your Uber driver, but you get around and you get all the stuff you need and you're not really interacting with anyone. Mm-hmm. And, and totally. And this is sort of what I wanted to get around to everybody else. Community is key for so many things. And yes, you're going to be solving a problem in your health sphere, but the happiness factor, the belongingness is a missing piece of health that I think is extremely under estimated in its importance. So I think the community-based medicine and what you're, you're, you're talking about fills that niche perhaps more than anything else as far as the health is the health of the overall person. I mean, if you were talking about, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but um, to me, when I talk to people and when I'm interviewing people and when I'm working with people that are, are ill is they feel alone. They don't know how to talk to other people. They don't know if they're a burden on other people. And this is a big issue. Yeah. Well, that, why don't I take it right now into, I know something that's really important to you, Kathy, which is cancer, right? So, you know, a big, uh, one organization that I've seen that I think is, on, in, is doing amazing in this area, and I put it in my book, is Healing Strong. So Healing Strong is a website and an app and groups, essentially, across the country. It's free. And it's basically groups of people supporting each other to implement natural therapies for cancer. And ultimately, you know, that's something that is, we see it in all these different areas, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, cancer, whatever, like all of these, you know, in, in each of these areas, um, we're seeing a, a, a growth in communities of people self-organizing to provide the kind of support that they need to, to execute. And that's why I'm so excited to see organizations like that popping up. And there's so much heart in those organizations because also people, I think, are, are getting fed up with, um, doing everything where the goal is eventually some cure that comes from without them, you know, mm-hmm. that like cancer research, it all goes towards genetic things and there's never any progress and people are frustrated. We're still using the same cancer therapies as we did in the 1950s. And, you know, ultimately I think that a lot of people have seen that, you know, you know, Nalini Chilkoff, who, who spoke on the functional forum about cancer is one of my favorite talks ever. She says, yeah, you need a cancer plan, but you need a health plan too. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, people who get diagnosed that, you know, the, the, the medical system has no idea what a health plan looks like. And so we need to look outside of it. And that's why groups like Healing Strong can help put you in a group of other people who have been where you've been, can answer the questions that you have. And more than anything, my favorite phrase in the book, you know, Kelly Brogan says that community sends a signal of safety more quickly and more completely than any other intervention. A hundred percent. Disease can be lonely. It can be a lonely place to be. And when you've got other people around you, and this is different from a support group. This is deeper than a support group, but disease can be lonely. And although you have your family, loved ones that may support you, there's nothing that can take the place of someone who is feeling and going along the same journey that you are. 
So I, I think it's a, it's, it's a great premise, and I think it's, I hope that uh, here in Canada we can be a part of it. I think the integrative practitioners are trying to get involved here. But if people want to read more, if people want to find out about this, this book of yours, where can they find it? Can we get it here in Canada? Yeah, The Community Cure. Uh, if you just look it up, you can find it wherever books are sold. There's an audible version if you like the audio, which uh, I read myself and was really fun to do. Um, and yeah, we've, we've created a, uh, a patient facing site called findfunctional.com where you can go and, you know, you can meet someone who's helped some, you know, we're like, look, the hardest step to make Kathy a lot of times is to take that first step into doing something different. And so I was like, you know, for, for a lot of people, that's maybe like a friend of theirs who reversed their chronic disease that kind of gives them permission to do something different. And ultimately, we wanted to create a space where everyone could have a friend who'd reverse chronic disease. And so we created Find Functional as a way to get engaged for less than a copay to get you know, educated as to what functional medicine is, to go through a process of understanding yourself and your own health. And then at the end of it, you know, either find a local functional medicine doctor to work with or join one of our virtual groups or you know, find basically the cheapest way to get you as healthy as possible. And that's something that um, I'm really excited about and something that was definitely needed during COVID because many functional medicine clinics were shut down mm -hmm. because they just had a big overhead and, you know, they couldn't pivot quickly enough to digital. And so, you know, we wanted to just sort of fill that gap and make it easy for people to, to find value. On the flip side, if someone's interested in running <coughs> one of these groups, how do they go about doing it? Can they contact you or is it, you know... Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I would say you could just build your group. I mean, if, like, depending on the, the group that you want to run is going to be a reflection of your journey. So if you've recovered from cancer, I think, you know, call Healing Strong and see if you can set up a, a local chapter of their group. You know, one of the group that I found really powerful and, you know, for, for, for women who are listening, you might want to tell your husbands about it, is uh, the, the Mankind Project, which I've been a part of now. And it's been incredible for me to have a group of emotionally mature men to process the stuff that's coming up in my life has been life-changing for me, for my wife, for my daughter, for my marriage. And to be in a group where I'm accountable to my word and, and I get to you know, connect with like-minded men. And so ultimately, uh, you know, that's been a great, a great blessing for me. And I think there are more and more local groups that are starting to pop up. And I think you'd be surprised if you just start to search around and start to see, you know, what kind of groups there are out there, I think you'll find that there are a lot more groups and you could use things like Meetup and Eventbrite. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to give you one, I, this wasn't in the book, but I want to give you one example of what this could look like from like a changing the world kind of view, right? And this is an example of something that actually is not far from where I grew up in the UK. There's a town there called Froome, F-R-O-M-E. And if you just Google Froome loneliness, you can check out what I'm about to tell you. So, Seven years ago, one of the doctors there realized that a lot of people were lonely. They had a lot of older population, they had a lot of um, you know, retirees, and, and they saw a lot of loneliness in society. So they started a project that kicked off, and the goal was, could we get everyone into a group? So first of all, what they did is they mapped out every group that existed in that community. And this is a 100,000-person community. This is not a big area. It's like you know, one, a few little small towns. Froome is the main town. The area is called Mendip. And it took them a year, but they found 2,000 groups. 
all right, everything, bereavement group, sports group, church group, men's group, women's group, like all of these groups were happening anyway. They whittled it down to 400 that were like consistent and well-funded and in the same place every week and could take new members. And then they set up a structure whereby they would now help anyone that came in who was lonely, whether at one of the five medical centers in the area or one of the five talking cafes that they set up where they had regular office hours where anyone could come and meet with one of the health coaches and get, you know, connected to one of these groups. And the sort of dynamite piece of this that I think is, is the most exciting thing is that as well as these like health professionals, like health coaches and doctors, they actually ended up recruiting over a thousand community connectors who walk around town wearing this like green lanyard the whole time. And if you wanted to chat with them, all they would do is send you to the website or to one of the talking cafes. And within a couple of years, they had reduced emergency room visits by 20%. And they had saved 2 million pounds in just like the local community. And so you see that like when something happens at that sort of scale, you now have like an incredible community connection. And, you know, if you solve loneliness, it has incredible uh, impact down the line. So I would say to anyone who's listening to this, like you can look up Froom loneliness. You can look up how they did it. You know, I would love to see anyone who's listening to this, like on the front lines, innovating, getting into it, getting, mo- get, you know, getting working and building the future in their community. And now's the time too, because we've got a lot of people that are really suffering with this pandemic emotionally, mentally, all of that. But James, thank you so much. Uh, it's such an important topic. It's such an important concept that uh, we need to get out there. And I I do appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. And I hope anyone who's listening, yeah, check out the book, check out findfunctional.com. And if we can help you uh, get you where you need to go, that's our mission. Excellent. And everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.